0: Welcome to Stronger Together, a powerful podcast series hosted by Impact Community Services. Join us as we discuss the importance of well-being support systems and how a strong community can be a lifeline for those in need. I'm Tanya O'Shea, Managing Director of Impact.
1: Hi, I'm Kate Rumble, Impact's Communications Officer. This episode may contain discussions on topics such as mental health, violence or other sensitive issues that could be triggering or distressing for some listeners. If you find this content challenging, we encourage you to pause the episode and seek immediate support. Information on where to seek help will be provided at the end of this episode or on our website, impact.org.au please prioritise your wellbeing while listening. Before we begin,
0: we wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we live, work and meet. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and future for they hold the memories, traditions, the culture, hopes and values, not only of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, But for all Australians. Now let's delve into the important conversations awaiting us in today's episode. Welcome to this month's episode of Stronger Together. We're actually up to episode six. We were just arguing about which one it was, weren't we Kate? But we're up to episode six. I can't believe that we're here already. It's gone so fast. It has gone so quickly. And um, it's just been such a diverse range of topics and speakers who we've had on the show. And this month, we're incredibly excited. We have an Olympian in the house.
1: Green and gold! South Club! South Club! Aussie, Aussie,
0: Aussie! (laughs) Oi, oi, oi! Love it! Natalie Cook, Nat, welcome and thank you so much for spending some time with us today.
2: Pleasure. Thank you, Tanya and Kate, for inviting me. I feel privileged to be in sort of the first year of your amazing podcast. So,
0: episode six, Matt
2: Cook. Hey, it'll go down in the history books. Well, Just... I only went to five Olympics, so this isn't my sixth. Right here with you is now my sixth Olympic experience. Oh, we're honoured. <laughs>
0: We don't have a T-shirt though, and we don't have a doona. We don't have a doona. And Best thing about the Olympics, the doona. Oh, my goodness, we don't have a doona. We don't have a gold medal that we can give you for being part of this. So our love and appreciation comes it's your way. It's more than enough.
2: More than enough.
0: Thank you, Nat. We have um, have the pleasure of your presence today. And tonight at our annual celebration and then you're doing more work in the community tomorrow at a business breakfast. So you're really giving us a lot of your time while you're here in Bundaberg and we really do appreciate that. Today you attended a session with our WorkFit clients talking a lot about resilience. Tell us about some of the things that you talked about with the team today.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. I had to be careful not to go like everyone in the audience was not going to want to go to the Olympics, right? So how do I relate that across a diverse uh, audience that can be more inclusive? Because I don't want them sitting there thinking, well, um, I I did tell them today, all I did for 20 years was chase a ball around a sandpit, right? So I tried to (laughs) say, look, there are bigger things behind everything we do in life. And for me, the Olympic journey and the um, quest to win um, and winning it's really interesting winning for me is not a score it's a mindset so it really is about how do you get up every day to try and be the best you can be and have the best mindset which will ultimately lead to a better outcome for whatever it is in life that people want so when we discussed that in in um, context today it was um Somebody wanted a guinea pig foundation. She won a gold medal for we talked about whether people had won gold medals in life in any from school sport to any area. So she'd won the best guinea pig at the show. So <laughs> she wants uh for her Olympic gold medal moment is a guinea pig foundation. So it was very diverse, very broad. Uh people um wanting to have the best life for their kids and bring families back together and get themselves a job. And mm-hmm. so very broad, and when we brought it back to Olympic resilience, it was just about how do you go to bed at night with the most positive thought so that you can sleep in a positive frame, wake up maybe a little bit with ready to get out of bed and bust through the day, um even if it's tough and that might last a minute might last 10 minutes before life gets in the way uh, and hopefully that can be extended throughout the day to get better outcomes so I mean Tanya you had to be there to understand the full essence but that's hopefully that gave you a little bit mm, about the there is and resilience is not something you can buy off the supermarket shelf you actually have to go through life and through the hard bits to come out the other side and say, hey, I got a little bit of resilience in my backpack then and and you build experience. And I guess for many of us, you know,
0: we look at Nat Cook sitting in front of us. I'm looking at you going, wow, amazing human, what you have achieved over your life. However, for each of us, we've got to start somewhere, right? So all those years ago when Natalie Cook turned up and decided or not that she was going to be an Olympic volleyballer but thinking you know with that mindset how did that start for you all those years ago tell us a little bit about your story and where that started and building that resilience because I'm sure being an Olympian turning up every day to do the level of training that you're required to do that takes a lot of resilience and a lot of stepping over the hard stuff and then taking a few steps back and then going forward again. So tell us about your story, where it started and and how you built that resilience over all of those years. Five Olympics. Mm. my gosh. (laughs) Amazing.
2: Yeah, I shared it today too with a picture of me standing on a a podium at a swimming pool. I was eight years old and uh, at the air swimming pool in North Queensland where my grandma and granddad lived, um, my mum was an infant swim teacher and my dad played semi-professional football for Crystal Palace. So I was sort of born into a bit of a sporty um, family and started swimming in the heat of North Queensland and mum as an infant swim teacher. Um, and as an eight-year-old, I watched the 1982 Commonwealth Games from my lounge room floor in Townsville and saw Lisa Curry, who was a famous swimmer at the time, win the 100 metres freestyle get out of the pool, put her Aussie track suit on. um, And I'm wearing the green and gold right now. So I saw the green and gold. I watched the Australian flag rise up, tears in her eyes. She had a gold medal around her neck. And at eight years old, I said, I want to do that. So the dream was born then. And in most of us, um, we had dreams as kids that we've. I see people try and forget or ignore or Uh, push away because they've either not made it or it was too hard or it brought back difficult memories. Um, But the dream is what has us kind of, it's that hope for a better future. It's that hope for something in our lives or our family's lives (coughs) or our parents. (coughs) I've gone all (coughs) choky to have a better future. And so I always believe in the power of the dream. For me, that's where it starts. And it started for me um, 40 years ago as an eight year old being inspired by someone. And and for me, it was a, an athlete, a swimmer. So for most people, it, it could be the family, it could be a local um, doing good in the community. It doesn't have to be related to, it could be music. It could be, that's how people end up being um, nurses or teachers because they were inspired by somebody so that was my moment the dreams where it all starts and then of course we set out on life we're like oh I want to do that and then you have people say oh that's not possible for you from here or you're you know never going to be good enough to do that or that takes a lot of work and maybe well that takes a lot of money and you hear all the excuses sort of populate in in your head and as a kid you kind of ignore them as a kid and until reality hits um, at some point. And I remember that for, as a 15-year-old. So I got through seven years of this is for me, I'm going to go to the Olympics, I'm going to train hard and my family supported me and my grandparents supported me. And then mum and dad one day said we can't afford to send you... I played it. I played every sport. Sorry, I'm bouncing around, but I played every sport from cricket to taekwondo to vigaro to basketball to tennis to skateboarding. I rode a BMX, I did everything. And then um, there was a volleyball trip to Canada and America and the school fundraised and it only cost mum and dad 500 bucks. But the next time round, when I said, oh, I've made the Queensland volleyball team and I want to go to Tasmania and it was a thousand, mum and dad said we can't afford it. And sort of that was the time where I needed to, I sort of had to take stock and realise that there are, there's a no in life it's the first time I really heard no because as parents and grandparents tried to give everything to their child um, but we'd hit the first big barrier and I had to find a way around it so the resilience journey started probably at 15. Wow
0: and finding a way around things like that setback for some would have been enough to go okay I'm done I need to now move on to something else. But that setback for you was, okay, right that's no, so I've got to find a way around it. What did you do?
2: Yeah, my volleyball. Firstly, I, I, I thought well, I didn't work. I was at school. I was in grade nine. Mm. I didn't really want to work or think that that could make enough money, like $1,000 so I'd mm. have to work for a year. <laughs> so I thought it's not going to happen. So mm. I accepted the no. I told my coach. My parents couldn't afford it. And he said, no, 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 we've got a fundraiser and it's the new fundraiser and you'll be right. Okay, so I waited till the next weekend and the fundraiser, um, for those that have been south of Brisbane, between Brisbane and the Gold Coast to Yatla Pies, it was a pie drive. We'd been through Lamington drives and chocolate drives and car washes and all those traditional things uh, 45 years ago and it was a Yatla pie drive. But this is the bit that, and today's modern fundraising, people have crowdfunding pages or QR codes, or here's my digital fundraising page, but it doesn't raise money by itself. So this pie drive, I'm like, well, how's that gonna help me? I had to sell at pies. A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. And the Yatla pie at the time, a family pie is five dollars, and Yatla were very um, generous back then. They gave us half, so I wow. got two fifty. They got two fifty. And just for context, um, Tanya, I bought a Yatla pie yesterday, a family pie the same size, and it was $20. Wow. So that's inflation. That's how it's gone from 5 to 20 Wow. And now when you fundraise, I think they give you $0.50. Cents. So a bit of a flip in the equation, but wow. back to when it was uh, actually worthwhile and I was get $2.50. So I worked out real quick uh, that that was $400. Highs. And I thought mum and dad could do, I thought the thing I did was delegate. So I got really good at 15 to learn about photocopying a piece of paper and said, dad, you go and sell some at work. Mum, you go and sell some to all the swimming ladies. And I uh, sat back and waited for them to do all the work. Oh. So dad came home and I said, dad, I had the team meetings like work, right? A team meeting. How'd you go? He said, I sold 12 okay we're a long way from 400 mum she'd sold three so <laughs> at that point I thought okay I still can't go to Tasmania for my volleyball trip but I realized then that if you I needed to take some responsibility and I needed to go and sell pies so I did I sold over 400 pies um but I also worked out I got a lot of nose a lot of door knocking uh tell my story and my my Journey and my dream, trying to get people to buy into my dream, which is ultimately what we do every day, right? We try Mm -hmm. and sell ourselves, we sell our business, we sell our product, our service. So I got very good at selling my dream, uh, but in the beginning, everyone said no. So I sat on a letterbox um, and cried and thought, My volleyball days are over, my Olympic dreams are over, I can't afford to do this, and realised. I must have got struck by lightning because I thought I'm asking the wrong question. I'm getting a no, which is not the answer. And realized if I want a better answer, like, yes, I need a better question. Mm. And so asking myself a question, um, which translates to today instead of like, why isn't it working? Because you get the answer to how do I make it work? And while you sleep, the answer will come. And while you go through life to build your resilience, answers and help and support will come. So I changed my question from would you like to buy a pie, which the easy answer is no, to Tanya, Kate, would you like to buy four or five pies? And really the difference in people's brain because zero wasn't, no wasn't an answer and, and I continued to sell fours and fives and got a little greedy and changed my question to would you like to buy seven or eight <laughs> and, and I returned. So you really do have to find the threshold. Yeah. But uh, I, I learned through that experience that if you want a better life, then you need to ask yourself and others better questions.
0: Mm. And that mindset, you know, that flipping that script and taking stock, I guess I think you called it, but doing the reset. So for me, I do a lot of reflection, a lot of resetting and going right. Things aren't going the way that i had envisaged this. need to do a bit of reflection on how I'm showing up, what I'm doing. So much of that is, you know, aligned to what you're talking about and I had to change my question. So with our mindset and the way that, th- that we tackle the world, we, we hear a little bit about fixed and growth mindsets. When you talk, you talk about Olympic mode and Olympic mindsets what What does that look like? you know when we're when we're flipping the script, asking ourselves a different question, but at the end of the day it comes back to mindset. What does mindset mean to Nat Cook? Mm,
2: absolutely. well, it's it's every time you say the word mindset, my shoulders go back, um my my eyes open bigger, I put a smile on my face, and and I look up to what's possible and winning versus, it all going wrong and looking down and, sh- and shrugging the shoulders and, and more of a victim, woe is me, which might be completely relevant because circumstances are like that. Mm-hmm. But I often think of or, or I speak to if all light went out and the room was completely dark and somebody lit a match, where is your attention going to go? It's going to go to the tiny little flicker of hope Mm -hmm. and so that's the bit um, even when and our human brains um, and I see it with my eight year old daughter I say what was great about school today nothing you know our human brain and our human condition is trained for survival Mm -hmm. and protection so changing that a little bit to drag out the one thing which is why I talk about at night when you put your head on the pillow work hard even if it is hard to find one thing that went right one thing you did great one thing you felt you won at um, to make sure that that's your eight hours of sleep and if you don't get eight hours hours of sleep then we need to train that because that's what's needed Mm. that's how our body and our mind and uh, our soul recovers so that speaks to mindset so when I do that it builds momentum I then go to bed with a happy positive winning thought I have eight hours of that in my body Mm -hmm. to wake up the next day and my job is to keep that for as long as I can Mm -hmm. might be a minute might be 10 minutes it might be an hour I can now go days and then I'll trip up the gutter something will happen and I'll I still have to catch myself I don't stay in it 24-7, bliss, utopia. I'd like to be an Olympic mindset like that. But it's catching it and reframing it like you talked about, whether someone helps you with that, whether it's an image. For me, it's the colour gold. It's superheroes. It's inspiration from other people that are doing great things, hanging out with people that are going to support me. and gets me back into that, going to a movie that's uplifting, listening to an uplifting song. Most people choose songs that are gonna bring them back down. Mm-hmm. So find one, I have Tina Turner, simply the best. I have we are the champions. I have Vanessa Amorosi shine. Um, something that's gonna uplift to, to bring the psychology back to positivity. Uh, so Olympic mode is, is that excellence all the time. How do I get into that as often as I can? Some people could call it the zone. Ours is just a very heightened high performance zone. In sport, that requires leaping tall buildings like Superman, which is my alter ego superhero. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I need Superman to get yes. the ball, keep mm. the ball from the sand, rescue Lois Lane, mm. um, and Lois Lane's my ball, right? So we're too serious sometimes as well. We've actually got to find ways where we can take on other characters, and mm. um, and and they might be the ones that bring out the positivity. Mm. I love that sense of play. I've seen you play volleyball
0: and I've seen, I think you are Superman actually, <laughs> yeah. Superwoman, yeah. definitely. You can do some
2: amazing things from heights. Well, Tanya, that's interesting because Superwoman, you reframe that, right? I do. Um, when I was growing up, there was no Superwoman, mm. there was no Supergirl mm. and my daughter just turned eight and she had a superhero party and she looks at me when I dress up as Superman for her party and, um, other parents can't believe it, but I have my own real Superman outfit. And she says, why, why did you choose Superman? I said, well, we didn't have Supergirl. We could've, I could have had Wonder Woman, mm. but I didn't like the skirt, so I wanted the long pants with my undies on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> I like Superman. So <laughs> now we're in a, a space, which I'm super excited for my daughter, where she can choose the girl Green Lantern or the girl Flash or, the, or Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And Batgirl, and there was none of those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. I still identify with Superman because it's how I've been ingrained. Uh, and and my favourite moment was going to my three year old godson's Superman party many years, ten years ago, and kids in the car park going, "Oh, Mum, Superman's a girl!"
0: <laughs> so I love it. I love, I love it. That. Oh, oh, I love that. And I love that you've stayed authentic to what did inspire Mm. you because it almost feels disingenuous that you would have changed to Superwoman
1: when that actually wasn't real for you at that point in time. So I was fortunate enough to attend your session this morning and something that has struck me is your wonderful gold shoes. (laughs) How do those gold shoes, the fabulous gold shoes, feed into mindset and how you come back in those challenging times?
2: Well, Tanya spoke to it before about being. How how are you when you walk out of a situation that's that doesn't feel good or you need to change, and um, Superman spins in, the, Clark Kent spins in the telephone box, comes out of Superman and then walks back in to the Daily Planet as Clark Kent. Mm. So with the gold shoes, it's a similar thing. It's like if I put them on, I stand taller again. They sparkle a little bit. they a little bit of magic. Uh, to uh, turn my attention to the top of the podium, like I actually look up, and if you watch Superman, the posture changes too. He looks up, and and that's where hope for me is. That's where aspiration lives. That's where excellence lives. Um, not down, because when you look down, your shoulders cave in. So really, is a, a postural thing. But the gold shoes make me walk taller. Um, I I sleep in gold sheets. I have gold Ugg boots. I I eat anything that's gold. Like if there's a piece of cheesecake with gold fleck, even if I don't like the cheesecake, I will eat it because of the gold fleck. I wash in palm olive gold soap and I still do. (laughs) I mean, I did in the lead into Sydney. This is 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. I have been washing in the 50 cent packet of palm olive gold soap, singing Advance Australia Fair, Standing Tall, and so when I go to bed, like I always shower before I go to bed. I, I do that more than showering to get up because I sort of bounce out of bed with my positive thoughts and um, I don't – people are like, you don't shower in the morning. No, I don't get dirty sleeping. I'm all good. I can get on with things. <laughs> um, people shower to wake up, right, mm-hmm. but I am leap out of bed. So when I go to bed at, before it, doesn't matter. It could be 2 a.m. after going out with friends. It could be 8, 8, 8 p.m., I'll shower, I'll wash in palm olive gold soap, I'll sleep in gold sheets. It's pretty hard not to wake up pretty golden.
0: Love it. And these rituals are really important. So that's what I'm hearing is you've built these rituals in your life. Some of them have been with you since before the Olympics that you've continued. Even though you're still an Olympian, right? You're still an Olympian, even though you're not actively competing, but you're still following those rituals. And I think there's some really key, important messages in there for us. It's building that structure, that routine. If we really want to live a certain way, then we've got to keep turning up and and sticking to those rituals in in the way that we're turning up. One of the things um, biologically in the way that we're wired as humans, we can't be in that fight and flight mode and feel grateful at the same time. Mm. Some people don't realise that and that gratitude, people sort of think, oh yeah, righto, I'm thinking about my one thing or I'm writing down my couple of things before I go to bed, that practice is actually supporting you in exactly what Nat's talking about around the way that you get up. It will stick with you and then you're slowly building layer upon layer the more that we're instilling that practice. You are living proof of exactly what it is, you know, biologically that we can be doing to rewire ourselves, Olympian or not, but just to turn up in a better frame of mind every morning i love that idea of bouncing out of Mm. bed every day you don't need a shower you don't need the coffee you're already primed and ready to go that's so cool
2: the secret there tanya is the word practice it isn't a once-off you cannot um stretch once and expect for 20 years later to be nimble and supple in your body and I went through that when I retired 11 years ago. You also hit the nail on the head, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. I am an Olympian. I don't identify as a former Olympian or a past Olympian. And we as Olympians have that phrase that we are always Olympians in spirit, in body, in connection, in mind. And and hopefully a little bit of that brushes off on people as, you know, we tell our stories. But the gratitude piece is so important because... When things aren't going to plan, that's actually when it's more important to be grateful for where we are in our lives, where we've been, um, who we have around us, even if it's the tiniest little flicker. That's what keeps growing, but it grows with practice. Mm-hmm. We've got to keep watering the plant. We've got to keep watering the seed. Um, and the most important time to do those practices are when you're feeling least like it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a forcing yourself in the beginning then you realize how important they are and then they flow and then it's easy. Uh, but when I retired, I didn't want to exercise again. I'd done 25 years of Olympic exercise. Like that is next level, somewhat obsessive exercise. So I, my brain went, you've done 25 years at that level. That's enough for a lifetime. You can stop. And so that didn't go so well. Uh, Some ten kilos later, and feeling sluggish, and I started to not feel my Olympic self, and I had to start again. So the worst thing I did was stop. Mm. You can tone things down, and you can have a fluctuation of effort and intensity, but we need to keep our bodies need to keep moving, our minds need to keep moving, um, and we need to stay. That's for. Mental health and well-being, physical health and well-being. So yoga is important to me now, and walking, um, and golf, mm. and other things. Not as intense, but I need to keep moving. We've got to do it all the time.
0: Mm. Absolutely. You talked about inspiration before, and people who are inspiring to us. So for you, watching, looking at Lisa Curry-Kennedy standing up on that podium, gold medal, looking up, proud as, inspirational. You are an inspiration for other people now, other athletes coming through, these um, athletes who will be elite athletes through Green and Gold Athletes Australia. I was so incredibly excited when we had this conversation a few months ago around your company, your business, why you're doing this, and understanding, I guess, that you've come from a space where you go, I get what it's like to experience some form of barrier or a disadvantage in being able to get where I want to go. Financially, we didn't have the money. I needed to make that happen. I needed to overcome those barriers. Green and Gold Athletes Australia, tell us about this amazing foundation, mm-hmm. organisation that you have set up for other athletes who maybe have some barriers that they need to overcome.
2: Yeah, I because I am an inspiration to others and that was one of my um, purposes to wanna to win Olympic gold medal because Lisa did it for me. So if I can inspire one um, to do what she did for me, then that that's great. Now, obviously I've gone on to inspire many that keep coming up to me every day going, wow, thank you. And I watched you and this is uh, amazing. And my daughter's playing volleyball because of you. And oh, well, um, hmm. I even had a Townsville family friend, Summer Lockowitz, who's, I was really good friends with her brother she went on to be a beach volleyball Olympian and I played against her because I inspired her to play. So wow. you see these amazing circles and it and it's great, but I kept, especially recently, the last probably just pre-COVID people saying, I'm a single mum. my 14 year old son's made the Taekwondo Nash Australian team and I can't afford to send him to Korea to compete. And I keep getting these messages and it, and so I would help one at a time and then I thought I need to build an organisation. So we started a not-for-profit, Green and Gold Athletes Australia, uh, to collectively raise money because there's people that want to help but they just don't know where to go. They don't know how to find the young 14-year-old taekwondo athlete mm-hmm. or from the Wide Bay region or from North Queensland or even Mount Isa where Greg Norman was from and Curry Webb's from Air and... Um, they were two of my inspirations and so what I've decided to do is collectively raise funds for the athletes out there with the dream to represent Australia so parents um, and mine included had this myth that when you make it to represent Australia surely there's some financial relief but actually it gets more expensive because now you've got to wear the green and gold and travel to Europe and it's or South America or America to get competition to play for Australia. You've got to leave Mm. and it's so expensive and the funding just isn't available unless you're in one of the bigger sports and so our lesser sports, when I say lesser, lesser known, lesser funded, hockey, water polo, badminton, taekwondo, volleyball, um, some of these sports just don't have the money. So kids are stopping they are quitting because mum and dad or mum or single dads cannot afford to send them. So Green and Gold Athletes is to raise through events. I've got a golf event. Um, When I go to functions, I'm in privileged positions. I'm with CEOs of companies. I just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you you know that steak you're eating now? My athletes can't afford to eat steak, so can I just take your steak home with me and feed them? So basically asking CEOs of companies to feed um, and fund athletes that can't afford it so we'll collectively raise then we'll have an application process and we give it out um, we don't just give it out like a handout we give a leg up because we're teaching them to fundraise themselves mm. uh, using things like containers for change and coex and My daughter's collecting her cans and bottles to get enough money for her dreams, which currently aren't representing Australia, but maybe one day. So I provide um, modern fundraising advice because we used to do Yatla Pie drives, probably not uh, enough these days, but really providing an education system, letting families know they're not alone. This isn't something they have to do by themselves. Uh, and I originally had a thought that, you know, I don't want these athletes to go through the hardships I do. But then that's not fair either. They they have to go through the resilience. But just a bit of a guide. I'm more like, recently I said, more like a librarian in a library and I'll tell them which aisle will have the best return on investment, uh, which books to read, what what places to go, which rocks to pick up, find, hopefully you find some money underneath. But Got to be good at telling your story. You've got to be good at sharing. You've got to be giving back to others. You've got to be out hustling, um, sausage sizzles, car washes or washing your parents' car to make some money. So it's not a free handout. It's, it comes with a few uh, educational pieces but um, it's also a community of others doing the same thing. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and something else I picked up as you were talking there, it's around
0: the question that you're asking. So you're actually teaching them the right questions and if you're being told no that's completely normal Mm. so it's normalizing that no is generally a response that a lot of us have got to deal with all the time and it's about how you then flip the question that you're asking
2: and be ready for the yes so some people miss the yes because they're like just daydreaming i said he you know he just said he'd give you some money have you written down his email and will you write it's amazing i had 10 in a room and the guy at the back of the room said I'll give you some money and only three people have written to him yeah wow so it's not or you know the old adage you can lead a horse to water mm-hmm. but we can't make them all drink we're just giving them the opportunities and also providing events where they can come along that they normally wouldn't get an invite to so i'm providing an opportunity to be in a room or on a golf course or somewhere where someone's got some influence that can maybe if you pitch the right story, Mm -hmm. they might support you, Mm. which they normally don't get. Absolutely. That responsiveness. I know
0: when we were tic-tacking for this event, just like that, Nat would be always just responding. So it's something for you. That responsiveness is important. And it's also making yourself available. So I know when we advertised that you were coming to Bundaberg, you were going to be here for our annual celebration tonight and then again tomorrow... And you were inundated, Nat, and I can't imagine, you know, trying to work out what do I say yes to and how do I navigate this? However, you went, you know, okay, that'll finish at this time tonight. I can still get to the volleyball after that. And even though I was going straight back after the event tomorrow, I will make time to spend some time with that association as well because I feel like that's your giving back mm. to the community as well as making yourself available but but also part of that, you know, paying it forward I guess and giving back.
2: Yeah, and, and it's a big puzzle. Um, I, I've come all the way, when I say all the way, it's a five-hour drive from mm. Brisbane and want to be able to give as much to the community. So Wide Bay Sport Academy, the local volleyball club. So I'll go down there after tonight and, and take some photos and give some um, little tip. I mean, it's hard to give tips for volleyball. It's a practice, right? Here's my number one tip. Keep the ball off the sand or the court and get it in there. Get it over there in their side um, and get to in beach volleyball 21 first in indoor volleyball 25 first. But it takes years of honing your craft Um, and for Kerry and I by the end of it our discussions were about rotation spins on the ball and the speed and the loft Mm. not about where even you just start to hone and become masters of your craft and so you know these kids are are just beginning or some of the adults playing I look forward to seeing that tonight but I, I believe in um getting back to people promptly, following through on your commitments. And that builds trust. It, people know I'm always going to show up. They know I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and be as inclusive and, and diverse as possible. So um, I have a wife, Sarah, and we have a daughter, Jordan, together. And so the community, uh, I embrace the LGBTQ plus community, which that is getting longer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad they added a plus because I probably would have forgotten all of the letters. So uh, inclusive there and anyone that wants to play sport and parents and I just feel like one person, Lisa Curry inspired me and if I can do that for somebody else, then the whole journey has been worthwhile. I love the simple messaging. I can remember having a conversation
0: with Ali Brigginshaw and hers was simple in in some of the um, advice that she was given. One of those was always wear your uniform and be proud in your uniform and that included pulling your, having your socks pulled up. Mm-hmm. And the other one was always be on time, never leave people waiting. Now, when I hear that advice, I could do that. Mm. Like it's not like I have to be an Olympian to take these simple messages forward in my own life in the way that I'm carrying forward you know how I'm showing up in in communities in households at work uh, with my family Mm. it's just such such simple messages which I
2: absolutely love do what you say you're going to do and it doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything Mm. so sometimes I'll stop and pause because I'm like I actually can't do that so I'm not going to say yes Um, and and understanding that and Be the light, be the inspiration for someone else because you're always leading. Everybody in society is leading. Someone is watching. Mm -hmm. And so be that inspiration. Pick up the rubbish. Um, Go to bed at night with a positive thought so that maybe you can wake up the next morning in a positive state to help somebody else. And the best way to help yourself actually through experience is to help someone else. Mm. Love that.
1: And I know that earlier on today there was a big conversation around taking responsibility, taking responsibility for yourself, for your own actions, and I think that's a really important part of the process as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I see it in my eight-year-old. They want, uh, maybe I've set that up, the parents to do everything for them, right? So when sometimes there's a sense of entitlement or maybe somebody, you know, you see a big, For us as athletes, we see footballers get their bag packed, Mm. they get their their hotel checked in for them and and i got to pack my own bag and i got to check in myself, right? So I think that's what builds your character, being able to build your own capacity, build your character by going through all the steps, taking responsibility. Have I packed everything? Have I got everything I need to be successful in this journey, which speaks to filling your backpack up with the tools and the skills and the friends and the people around you because you've got to build a support team. Uh, There's a reason why when you climb Mount Everest you have Sherpas. You actually need people to help you. It's not a one-man show to get to the top. It takes a team and you've got to build that team. You've got to build the trust in the team. You've got to know they're going to show up for you like you're going to show up for them. And that comes with again, Kate. Going back to do what you say you're going to do, uh, and build trust and build trust in yourself, so that you know you can do these things. And build trust. Let build have that trust built for others, so they can count on you too.
0: Can we talk a little bit about well-being? And you talked about, you know, I was did my Olympics, that was my last Olympics, moved on, thought, right, my body has trained at Olympic level for 25 years, it's time to, to have a step back. And then you went, oh, this isn't working so well, I've got to sort of ramp that back up again and start including more things in my life, yoga, walking. What does wellbeing look like for you? That That going to bed at night with that positive mindset what if you could round out the meaning of well being and inspiring that little bit of flicker for the rest of us if we needed a little bit of motivation around what well being wellbeing looks like? How would you some well being up for you?
2: Well, in the last 10 years we've heard of balanced, have a balanced work or a work life balance. Um, the one thing I've learned is we're never in balance. The mm. moment you think you're in balance, it's gone off the seesaw. 100%. So it's a balancing. And understanding when you're putting more attention on one thing that that might rise, but every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So something in your life is, whether it's relationships, whether it's finance, whether it's physical health, whether it's mental health, will be on the other side of that seesaw. So understanding the first is awareness. Where am I putting my attention? Uh, And then the thing that's got me through 20 years as an Olympian, and then now, Is planning my recovery and my mental health first so every Sunday night I look at my week and I plan my it used to be physio chiropractic massage stretching before I put my train my movie with my friend before I put my training in now I put my coffee with friends I go and see my mum and my dad and and Um, have afternoon tea, which is three o'clock every day, cup of tea. My dad's British. So he has his cup of tea and his carrot cake. So I know it's three o'clock every day. I plan one of those in the week. Uh, I plan uh, my foot spa. I love a good foot spa once a month. So I go through my schedule and make sure I plan my recovery first and then work fits in and my obligations and my my charity work and my work work and my green and gold athletes fits in all around that. So golf now, I like to play my golf. So I've got to get my golf in um, at least once a month and I have golf stuff in the car. So I would drive past the driving range. I will hit 50 balls. It's like a rule. And I make sure that that happens because if you do it Saturday, if you look Saturday for your recovery, there's no, all the time's gone. Mm. You have to plan for your mental, physical health first. And whether it's time with family, whether it's walking the dog, whether it's yoga, whether it's a massage, uh, just and if you can't do one a week, do one a month. But get it in and keep saying yes to yourself so that you can trust yourself to take care of it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting, putting yourself first,
0: I think people don't realise the importance of that. They almost think that... I don't know it's a little bit greedy of time isn't it and it and it should be about other people however we can't always turn up for other people if we're not putting ourselves first when it comes to our well-being
2: it's a myth to me that people go oh that's selfish i'm like no it's actually selfless mm-hmm. because if i get that done i can do ev- i can do everything for these athletes i can support them in this space i can go to Taekwondo with my daughter, I can pick her up after school, I can walk her to school, but if I am burnt out or I am a wreck, none of that's happening. And so you have to take care of yourself. You have to fill your cup up and overflow your own cup before you can give to others.
1: Absolutely. It's, um, that saying, isn't it? You can't pour from an empty cup. And if we have a think about, if you're on a flight, they say, put your own mask on in the event of an emergency before helping others yeah. same thing
2: applies even your child they say to put your mask on before you help fit your child's mask mm-hmm. so there's something to that and yeah I do find I am more superhuman when I have had that rest time and I will go to the the foots bar and I will go to my favorite place for lunch um and to make sure that I'm ready to then go and be with my family and be with my friends uh And it's really important to take care of yourself, even in a crazy chaotic where you you look at your diaries or your schedule on the fridge and you go, there's no room for me. Well, you have to. Your responsibility is to make room for yourself first and then give unto others. Beautiful. I've got two great stories. One of um, a decathlete that has not won a medal at an Olympic Games, but he helped his mate win a bronze when he tore his hamstring and um, he's won a medal for sportsmanship. His name's Cedric Dubler and he is in 10 events. So he trains for 10 events. He's exhausted. He doesn't have time uh, because he's being told to study and work and and he doesn't have time to look after his body. We just, we talk about recovery and work and make money and there's not much money in track and field. Mm. So Cedric and I have done some work together and all of a sudden he has a sponsor and a supporter and that little bit of belief that someone else, the fact that he can go to bed at night going, someone else believes in me enough to give me some money to buy new pole vaults or buy new shoes or travel maybe business class when there's not enough time between events for recovery, right? We all know what economy class is like when traveling long distances and it's expensive, It's expensive for a reason. You don't want to be learning to do that all the time, but sometimes you need to. Once he got that, he grew 10 feet. His performance was off the charts because all of a sudden there's a little bit of belief breathed into him by somebody else. And then I've got a young 14-year-old BMX girl, indigenous BMX girl out of Ipswich, who has since the age of two, there's images of her going down the BMX track on her little plastic trike. And she's been representing Australia for eight years. Mm-hmm. And her family going to glad they just came back from Glasgow in the world championships for all the cycling races. And she has, because she's 14, she has to go with mum or dad. Mm-hmm. So now we're doubling FS. And so watching those families stick together, do it together, do it for, and there's two other kids. So do it for the fact that this young girl might make it to her games or achieve her dreams. That's why I do it. I just love seeing people reach that potential. And if I can give them, or green and gold athletes can give them a little leg up, then uh, I'm much happier putting my head on the pillow. Mm, Beautiful.
0: I completely get it when you're talking about that belief, you know, someone having that belief in us. When I started here, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I started in the front office and the CEO at the time went, you'll be running this place one day and I went, yeah. I was dropped out of uni, didn't know what I wanted to do and that's all it took is just someone so, yeah. having that belief. So again, you don't have to be an Olympian. You don't have to be aspiring to be a future Olympian. It is in everyday stuff that, and for me I do a lot of mentoring and coaching and it is about showing belief in Mm. what is possible with other people and showing belief in others. Mm. And that's where I feel like I'm paying it forward as well because someone believed in me and now I'm managing director of
2: a not-for-profit.
0: Who would have dreamt this story? (laughs) Like (laughs) never would have thought this in a million years. But here
2: we are. And it's great when people get given jobs. So some people in the WorkFit program or what Impact do, um, that – there was some tears in eyes today when they would come and say hello to me and I said, well, what's your goal? And you're, we just talked about gold medal goals. Mm-hmm. She said to get a job, to have someone give me a go. Mm-hmm. And so when you do get that go, like it, you, you feel like you've been catapulted halfway up the mountain and you've got a bit of gusto now to keep going. So I've seen it in athletes. I've seen one person say, a coach say, you could be good one day and it changes everything. Mm. And they don't even know them. So I try and I went to a volleyball tournament on the weekend. I try and high five. They don't even know who I am. That, that, <laughs> they weren't born when I won my gold medal. And I say, you look, you've got a great spike. You could be awesome one day. And who knows where those kids Love will that. end up. Those
0: words, yeah, beautiful. I bet you they do know who you are. Oh, it depends if
2: mums were watching or not. So <laughs> it's the generation of mums that come and say, oh, I watched you and I was so excited. Can I have a selfie? And then everyone looks at them like, who's that? But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty awesome to know that something I did on the sporting field would have someone dream big and doesn't have to be about volleyball, right? It mm-hmm. can be about anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
0: Aussie, anything Aussie, else? Aussie. Oi,
1: oi, oi. Oh, that was awesome. I don't have anything else at all.
2: Kay's too busy thinking about her event. She's managed tonight too. Oh, Oh, the the cogs are wearing. I've been a busy girl. (laughs) Beautiful. All right, well, we might Mm. sign off.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Marnie. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Marnie. (laughs) Nat, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode. Can't wait to hear this and replay it. I think I'll replay it a few times because your voice will be now resounding. You can do anything. You can do this. (laughs) You've got this catapulted up high loving all of this imagery so thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure
2: pleasure's all mine thank you ladies thank you
1: and we'll make sure that we drop a link in the comments to green and gold athletes australia so if you would like some more information about nat's mission make sure that you click on the link and have a read of her website donate if you
2: can thank you it's a wrap
0: thank you for listening to this episode of stronger together sometimes the issues we discuss in stronger together may be triggering for some people if you have been affected by the topics we have discussed today please reach out for help you can call lifeline 24 hours a day on 13 11 14 or you can use the chat option on their website
1: if you live in the wide bay burnett region you can also reach out to us at impact community services Go to impact.org.au and click on the Make a Referral button at the top if you wish to self-refer. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and if so, please remember to hit the subscribe button. Until next time, remember, we're stronger together.